Hey everyone, it's Jeff from Modern Combat and Survival, and this week's interview has been a long time coming. Now, I know that there are some firearms instructors out there who feel that since the threats that women face are just as or even more dangerous than what men face, then their firearms training should be just as tough. But is this G.I. Jane approach really the best way for women to learn how to arm and protect themselves with a weapon? Well, this week's guest has some keen insights into what really does work best. And whether you are a woman or you simply have a wife, girlfriend, mother, or daughter of your own that you'd like to be better prepared to face a threat with a gun, you're going to get a lot out of these tips. So let's go ahead and get started. bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, would you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. It's a tragic fact of firearms ownership in the United States today that the very people who should be armed oftentimes aren't. I'm talking about you if you're a woman or if you're a guy, your wives, your daughters, your girlfriends, the women in your life who are at special risk because they are frequently targeted for crime. Now, I'm I'm not trying to be sexist here, I promise, but it's a pretty safe biological statement here to say that on average, women are smaller, weaker, and generally less aggressive than men, although probably haven't met my wife yet. But, but oftentimes what that means is that the criminal class, the predators of our society who prey on others for a living or simply for a sick thrill – are more likely to target women than men, and especially when those women are alone. Now, women are also obviously the targets of rape, another reason why they especially ought to be taking advantage of their state's concealed carry laws when they live in areas that have them. But just because a woman is armed doesn't mean that she's prepared for self-defense, just like a guy who's, you know, goes and buys a gun is not automatically some Rambo. So, What are some of the life and death tips and tricks of firearms self-defense for women specifically? What gunfighting knowledge can help keep women safer from sexual assault or lethal attack? That's exactly what we're here to find out. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat Survival Magazine, with another podcast to help you better prepare in your role as a protector and a patriot. And today we provide some strategic insights into how women specifically can become better prepared as we're joined by firearms advocate and trainer, Susan Rexroth. Susan, welcome to the program. Honored to be here with you today, Jeff. This is great. We've been, tr- we've been trying to get this interview going for a long time, so we finally, we finally got to it. And actually, this is because we've had a lot of women write in. We have a lot of women that follow our magazine, and they've, they've had these questions. And a lot of men that I've talked to have probably the same, the same problem that I have, which is maybe you have a, they have a spouse who doesn't necessarily take their – um, their safety as as serious as maybe we take their safety, or they feel maybe protected by the man and maybe don't take it as a personal responsibility. So I know these questions are coming straight from, from straight from our readers as well as from my own stuff. So listen, everybody out there, um, Susan is the woman behind Shooting for Women Alliance, or the S. FWA, which is a nonprofit organization that was formed to educate women and youth worldwide about personal defense, firearm safety, conservation, and enjoyment of the shooting sports, as well as provide a networking base for other associations and clubs with those same goals. Now, Susan and her husband formed this organization with a softer side of shooting approach to get more women and young people involved in both self-defense and the shooting sports. And taking personal responsibility for their own protection. Now, learn more about Susan, her training, and the SFWA organization. Please visit her website online at www.mysfwa.com. Okay, Susan, I find that so many gun owners, especially men, let themselves become overconfident with their firearm, either because they think that by simply owning a gun, they're fully protected, or for those who actually go to the range, they oftentimes think that, you know, there's some kind of walking fortress because they can get that one-inch shot group at, at 10 yards. 
Now, this is one of the things that always bugs me, and I feel that it's this out overconfidence. It can really end up becoming more dangerous to people when you when you think too highly of your skills. And from my perspective, it kind of makes you less prepared oftentimes when you're responding to a real attack. Now, I think that because many women who buy a gun to feel more safe and protected, especially knowing that their attacker is more likely to be bigger and stronger than them, what they often do is they easily fall into the same trap that men do. So tell me, from what you've observed so far as like the survival mindset of armed women that you work with, maybe even in how it differs from a, from a man's, what is that difference? And, and if you could offer our female listeners some real tips on what they can do to truly feel confident that they can defend themselves with their firearm in a real attack against a bigger, stronger person. Because I think that oftentimes, you know, men and women, but maybe even especially women kind of defeat themselves from the beginning thinking that they can't do these things. Well, Jeff, that is a loaded question. There's my joke of the day. <laughs> anyway, I um, I always consider the fact that people pick up a firearm, if they get familiar with it, some of them don't, but let's say that they do, they get a bit of a false sense of security because they can perform well at a shooting range, at a distance, whatever they feel is, is a good distance for them, and they have this target that has a hole in it, and they get very empowered by that. It's very exhilarating. They think they've done something incredible, which hitting the target in a, in a small area is a good thing. But the false sense of security comes from the fact that they're doing that while they are not under duress. Um, it is a very false sense of security to think that having a target be your level of uh, confidence and expertise because you happen to shoot that little area out of the center as your security for your own personal protection can be extremely um, deadly, I'll call it. That target is not shooting back. And people tend to forget that you get just a little bit more, uh, the more nervous you get, the harder it is to do the things you do when you're comfortable. Even when people, we've taught uh, more than 18,000 women and some of the men they bring with them, hmm. handgun carry class in the state of Tennessee. It's an eight-hour class, Jeff. And during that time, you will see people who are comfortable with firearms who have to stand up to a firing line and actually do what they call qualify. And all of a sudden, things start going wrong. Oh, that never happens to me at the range. Look, I always do this really much better. And that's because they're taking a test, let alone having to defend their life. So, uh, yes, can be a very uh, strong uh sense of um, false sense of security, I'll call it. Yeah. Now, what can they do? How can they, uh, what kind of training can they do to maybe uh, uh, help that? Well, first of all, just recognize the fact that the situation isn't going to be where you can stand up, get in your stance, take a shot, look and see how you hit, re reevaluate and start over. You're likely going to have a very hard time even getting to your firearm. Women need to make their mind up that their life is worth saving, and they're going to have to do whatever it takes at at that particular time to defend themselves, which is going to include a physical altercation more than not. It's not going to be uh, where you're going to get a call to move in, and so you can, you know, rack your gun, get ready, put around in the chamber, you know, step up to the line, so to speak. You're actually going to be, I call it, ambushed. And um, we as civilians, depending upon um, what our level of awareness may be, uh, we typically are going to be ambushed. Hopefully, uh, our awareness level around us will keep us a little more alert so that the ambush will not happen at a close-in distance. But um, it's going to be different for everyone based on their skill set, what that distance is. So considering the fact that law enforcement, military, people who are highly trained individuals often fail in the the most uh, worst ways when they're ambushed in a certain situation. So they're like, oh, well, they were ambushed. Well, that's what we're going to face. And on top of that, our enemy as a woman, woman, our attacker, more than likely is going to be bigger than us and have something in their mind that they want, whatever that may be. And we're going to have to defend that when in our life, we're just going about living our life and you have to be able to switch that switch on very quickly. So that's part of the uh, the 
just the recognition of the fact that you're going to have to do that. It starts with that, and then you go uh, into training your own skill set after that. So it, it sounds like, I mean, really part of it is just coming in, kind of having that moment of truth and understanding. I mean, I, I think that's where the, maybe the confidence comes from is is actually real confidence. Because like what we were talking about was kind of the false confidence, right? Like it's okay, I can put a nice neat little hole in this thing at 10 yards. And so there's false confidence there, which can betray you in a real attack. But you know, from what I hear you saying, having like real confidence comes from first understanding that you know, you're not going to be dealing with a static target 10 yards away that you, that's not going to be moving or have a gun on you or be charging at you with a knife. So that can initially probably be very scary for somebody. Maybe, you know, you could think about taking away confidence. But if you train for that, which I'm definitely going to get into some training questions with you. But if you if you accept that and you you have tactics in place or training in place or even sometimes just coming to that conclusion and so that you're not surprised in a real attack, that's where true confidence kind of, that's where you plant the seed for it at the very least. And what you do with it after that is really what helps kind of, you know, build around that and, and put together a real personal protection platform. Yes. You know, here's, um, here, what's that? No, no, go ahead. You're exactly right. You're yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. So, so here's, um, this is kind of the obligatory question. I always ask a lot of people, and it's mostly because we, we get, we get this question a lot, or you see this on forums and stuff. And it's the, um, it's the what's the best gun to buy question. And I know that there's a lot of different opinions about this, a lot of different perspectives. And what I oftentimes find is that a lot of experts who are out there are giving advice to women who are looking to purchase a firearm for, for their own personal protection based upon their own loyalty to one brand or one caliber or one approach, like this is my gun and it'll, it'll work for you too, or here's the best thing. And I, and I actually think it's a lot more personal than that, regardless of whether you're a man or woman. So rather than trying to, to pound a square peg into a round hole, what advice do you give to women who are new shooters when it comes to selecting their firearm and gear based upon the reality of a real attack? Well, Believe it or not, whether you're a new shooter or not a new shooter, a situation for self-defense and the firearm that you select is key, totally key. And the fact that, I'm, I'm just going to back up a little bit, um, you're going to get in a fight. Hopefully you're going to get that gun out. If you do, you don't want it to be a firearm that you cannot control, number one, once you pull the trigger once. Secondly, you don't want someone to be able to take it away from you. So when you ask what kind of gun it is that's best for someone, it's going to be one that when you hold it the way that you should, it works for your unique capabilities, and you can reach all the uh, the buttons that you need to without changing your grip, along with the fact that it isn't always the fact that it would line up with your forearm as much as it would that when you point that gun at someone, that that barrel of that gun actually comes from your shoulder. Because when you're in a fight, if you just do this one thing, I, I tell people it's something you can do without anybody even being around. If you you're, if you take your strong arm and you just punch your fist at somebody's face as if you were going to, you know, stop them from hurting you, pay attention to where that forearm points. And the forearm points past that person's ear. I don't care whether you're left or right-handed. It points past their ear. Your chances of missing are greatly increased if you just line up a gun and, and hold it in uh, the direction or the alignment of your forearm. So you need something that's going to work with your own physical mechanics, the gun that's going to work for you. doesn't have to be a specific caliber. What it needs to be, as I always say, the largest caliber that you can conceal if that's what you're doing, uh, which is always better for self-defense, for the, uh, the fact that you don't want people to know that you have a fireman, so you're actually going to have that surprise element there of being able to defend yourself. But at the same time, that firearm has to be something that you can control and conceal. So let's say uh, a favorite saying I have is a well-placed uh, 22 beats a 45 miss any day. Yeah. So the question is, can you control whatever that caliber is? And a lot of people say, well, I would never tell somebody to carry a 22. For self-defense, sometimes a 22 caliber is the only one you can conceal because you have something very swanky on, perhaps. But forgetting all that part of it, if um, 
I always tell people that if all you can control is the 22 firearm, it's better to have that opportunity to use it than not. And you have to have more uh, confidence to be able to fight with a 22 than you do with a 45 because you've got to be able to get closer to them so you can strategically put that uh, that bullet where you need it to be so it will actually work for you as compared to just shooting it at a, at a farther distance. You need to be stronger for that. When you pick a firearm, I'm going to tell you that most people have this idea, I want something lightweight, I want something easy to carry around, so I won't even realize I have it, it's going to be comfortable. Um, this, I don't know how many girls are listening, but ladies, uh, you'll know this, guys, I don't know if you would think about it, if you ever tried to wear a bra, but basically... <laughs> I always say we have a special section of our for, we have a special section of our website just for just for those guys. Don't tell me about <laughs> it if you do. But anyway, the point is, when you carry a firearm, it is like wearing a bra. When you first start doing it, you're going to keep checking to see if everything's in alignment. Hopefully, you got fitted for it. It isn't a hand-me-down, and it works for your body. And then, in time, as you become more uh, used to it. If you don't have it on, you feel what I call naked. Um, it's the same thing with carrying a firearm. Don't expect it not to be there. It's going to be there. And besides, you need to have complete uh, mental awareness of where that fire is, arm is at all times anyway, so you don't want to get about it. But most importantly, you have to be able to access it and operate it. And if that firearm is a lightweight firearm that's small in your hand, and it, uh, when you fire it, it has a trigger pull on it that I say is as long as the Mississippi River or too hard to squeeze for you mm-hmm. that you have to yank or whatever. Um, that firearm's going to be hard to control. And if that's the case, it'll be very much like uh, trying to defend your life or let's just say run away from someone trying to kill you by driving a bobcat, little front end loader, little snappy piece of equipment instead of getting in that Cadillac you take to the range all the time. So. You need to have something that you actually can control, largest caliber possible. And uh, there are some airweight, they call them airweight, but uh, polymer-type guns that actually do operate really well. The, um, the slide on them and the construction, the slide works, I call it like butter, flips back and forth without throwing the muzzle up and down. And also, when you hold the gun, it's well-balanced in your hand. Uh, the Beretta Nano is a very good example compared to perhaps the smaller Glock because a Glock is more heavy on the top. And if you kind of hold it in your hand level, you can sort of feel it fall forward. Whereas with the Nano, it's pretty much the same size. And when you hold it in your hand, it's very seated. It doesn't fall forward, even when there's no rounds in the actual magazine, but just one in the chamber. I've actually had guys tell me all the time, well, that's no big deal. As soon as you load up that magazine, it kind of weighed itself out just fine. And I'm like, yeah, well, what happens if I have one round? The object is that you can keep control of the gun. So uh, we actually have an eight-hour class on how to pick a gun. It's called What Women Want. Really? It is not, and yes, it is not a simple thing. It goes along with how your hands work on a particular grip of a gun where your finger hits the trigger, what your strength is, how how you can use that gun. And people will say, oh, there's not a perfect gun for every person, but I can teach you how to shoot any gun. And, and one of my friends, Ignatius Piazza, he, when he started Front Sight, he came out with the slogan, any gun will do if you'll do. Well, you know what? When I first thought about it, I thought, well, that's a pretty weird slogan. First of all, it takes a lot of thinking. But his concept is that we can all shoot any gun if we uh, if we just know how. There's ways you can hold it with two hands. Uh, by the way, if you're going to use a gun for self-defense, you better be able to shoot it with one hand and not have somebody take it away from you with one hand hmm. or your chances of increasing the odds you prevail will go down. But at the same time, I believe a little differently. And that is not that any gun will do if you'll do but that the gun I'm going to pick to defend myself is my life insurance policy, the best I can put out there, and I'll be dang if it's going to be just any gun. Although I can shoot any gun in a shooting range, going back to what you had said about you just shoot a really well target, I can shoot any gun you give me, and I can hit the X. I will promise you that. I hit a four. In that little book I have, there's uh, 
I shot a 454 Casilla for the first time ever and hit the X when the, when the guys couldn't do it. I mean, I can <laughs> hit the X with any gun. Am I going to carry that gun for self-defense? Absolutely not. I'm going to carry something that I can use that somebody cannot take away from me. And so I believe that any gun won't do. You need the one that's perfect for you. And there is one out there. The key is, will it work for you with one hand? so that you don't have to be constantly gripping or changing that gun if you have to do a magazine change or if you have to reload it, you know, you're going to be able to do that with, with what I call one hand. So it takes time. I'm going to, I'm going to probably ask you to walk, walk actually through this experience for women because I'm sure with the eight-hour class, I, I, have a, I have a feeling I can probably guess at a lot of the emotion that goes into that. But, but let me ask you this first. Because um, you talked about like wearing it for concealability and – and I think for women, you know, I always wonder what, what the difference is. And I know a lot of women probably think, well, I just need something to go inside my purse. And I've personally, I don't know what your feelings are, but it's always the purse has never seemed like an optimum conceal, concealability thing because of the ambush factor that you talked about. But ironically, right before you and I are talking, there was just a, um, there was a, an incident in a doctor's office where a woman had a concealed firearm in her purse. She, set her purse down and it went off. Now it might've been a revolver. The lipstick case might've been in beside, you know, where the trigger is. And all of a sudden it got wedged and it shot some other woman in the, in the waiting room in the hip. And so, you know, I'm sure that there are ways around my guess. Okay. Here's my guess. Yeah. Probably wasn't a revolver because the revolver's trigger pull is so long. Yeah. It's a harder. It isn't going to pull that. Probably not. Um, There is that one thing that I want to throw out there for you. Uh, a lot of people say you can shoot through your purse and that's going to be a really good thing. And they also tell you that if you're going to carry a firearm in your purse, it needs to be in a separate pocket, which that could have been one of the issues that this lady had. Guns don't just go off, Jeff. Right. Something has to cause that to happen. So it's all about safety. It's about how you actuate, uh, what kind of carry purse you have. Just putting your firearm into a, into a purse that isn't designed to be a carry purse, but on top of that, even if you put a little insert in it, there's just too many things that can go wrong. That's why they design carry purses a certain way to do certain things. They want it to be secure, and, and typically for that gun to be secure, it has to be in a holster. And for it to be in a holster inside of a purse, you basically have to pull that gun out of the holster in order to get your finger on the trigger. So tell me how you're going to be able to shoot through that purse really effectively. Probably not. Good point, yeah. Um, there really not good but anyhow that's just a side thing the the thing about guns just going off um i thought you were going to actually tell me about the lady who had her purse open in the top of uh, in her like cart where her kid was was in the back of the cart and her purse was sitting there it was open and the kid actually a toddler reached in pulled the trigger and shot and killed the mother oh my god because the gun was accessible the problem with a purse carry is that, remember I told you if you have that, uh, you shouldn't take your, your mind off of that gun. Well, you can get separated from your purse. There's yeah. a whole long, I mean, there's a lot to be said for just how to deal with keeping your gun near you, even in a car or whatever, but um, you can get separated from that very easily. So, not always the safest thing, just because you want to keep your hands on it. The other thing is, um, putting a firearm in a holster on a woman's body, we're shaped differently, mm-hmm. if you haven't noticed. <laughs> Some of us are. Uh, no My wife is listening. No, I've not noticed. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. That's a good guy. Just like <laughs> right. says, I never see any of this. I learned my lesson. Yeah, but don't want to get shot. So here's the thing. When you, um, no matter whether you're larger or smaller, women have curves. And so we have to find something that's going to work for us. And when I first uh, started carrying my firearm, the holsters that they had, even a paddle holster, it would just cut into my waist because my hip kicked that paddle holster out. Well, more manufacturers have gotten um, privy to those kind of things, and they're starting to make some alterations. My main concern is where you carry that firearm on your body for personal protection Cross-drawing across your body in an appendix carry can be a problem, um, even if it's comfortable. There are a lot of things that can go wrong, not to mention the time. 
that it takes for you to get that gun out of the holster and just even point it towards the target. The other thing is a lot of people like to say you should carry it in the small of your back. Well, if you're a woman, uh, more than likely you're going to be either thrown down on the ground, so you're going to fall on your gun, which is going to hurt, or you're going to be attacked from behind, and oh boy, what a nice present somebody could have just taking it and using it on you. Mm-hmm. There's just It needs to be in a place where it's not going to be easily accessible by other people, but you can get it yourself quickly. Uh, women have a harder time than men because we have different types of clothing. So we spend a lot of time with the different holster options and what your style is because we can't just throw on a vest. I mean, people say, oh, wear a vest. It's going to solve the problem. Well, look at women's style today. We want to be a woman. We don't want to be um, a woman in a guy's in guy's clothes, you know, mm-hmm. in a guy's attire. We want to be feminine. We want to be, uh, most of the time anyway, and uh, and we want to be functional. So it's, uh, it's different. Sometimes a woman has to carry a firearm in a purse because she has no other place in her body she can put it. But we go through a serious training uh, program if you're going to be carrying a firearm in a purse. Yeah. Great, great information. Well, we've already covered a lot of stuff. I've got a lot more stuff for you here also. Listen, everybody, we're, we're talking with Susan Rexroad of MySFWA.com about practical protection strategies for the armed woman. And we do have a lot more coming up in just a bit, including shopping tips for choosing the best firearm for women's personal defense plan. Yes, ladies, I did say the word shopping, so that, that will probably keep you around to the end of the of the conversation. We're also going to be talking about expert tips, tricks, and tactics for training realistically for violent attacks and developing a 360-degree awareness circle to identify and respond to attacks before they're in the danger zone. All that and more coming right up, but first, check out this special message. What if everything you knew about how to stop a violent attacker with your gun was wrong? Discover the advanced tactics you must know now to protect yourself and those you love with a firearm. Check out our free book, Stopping Power Secrets. Inside, you'll find such no-hold-barred shockers as 1. The three most common myths and misinformation shoveled out by movies and gun-range know-it-alls that could get you killed in a real-life gunfight. 2. The cold, hard truth about your personal weapon's ability to be a one-shot man-stopper. 3. What coroners know about selecting the right ammo for your firearm that you don't. 4. And the simple training trick used by Abrams tank crews and commercial airline pilots that will prepare you for a real attack even better than your best day at the range don't place your family safety in the hands of hollywood fairy tales and hearsay claim your free copy of stopping power secrets now now at www.stoppingpowersecrets.com and now back to the show Okay, we're back with Susan Rexford of MySFWA.com talking about arm protection tactics for women. And things are about to get really real because we're about to go into my favorite place, which is the training zone. But first, there's a question that, that actually I think every woman and man face at that point. We've been talking about, um, you know, about choosing the best firearms. And, and Susan, when it, when it comes to actually going down to the gun store to purchase a firearm, this can be a really intimidating experience for men and for women, I think. And, you know, when you look at it, you, you kind of get this image of these chest thumping, know-it-all gun gurus behind the counter. And I and look, I've, I think we've all encountered them. And, and I think that even for women, this is probably even a little bit more intimidating because there are, there's so much testosterone right there all in one location. So what advice do you have for women in order to make sure that they're selecting that best gun for their needs without getting overwhelmed by those, you know, maybe a forceful person behind there or somebody that, you know, comes off as like the gun guru to teach little Missy on, on what gun she should get. Um, that might be forcing them into a decision that's not right for them. Like you said, it's a very personal thing for you. So bring us to that gun counter. What should a woman do to make sure that she is getting that, that weapon that is going to be best for her? Okay. So here's the thing. Uh, first of all, the woman should be the one to pick the gun. That's always good. Uh, there's a lot of people who want to purchase a firearm for their wife or their girlfriend their mom, their sister, and they really have to be part of that selection process. The other thing is 
there needs to be some um, information offered to that woman prior to her ever walking up to a gun counter to make a selection. One of the things that you'll hear people say all the time is, you need to make sure it feels good in your hand, okay? Now, ladies, you all know that how many of us have gone to a shoe store, tried on all the shoes, we found the ones that felt the best, some of them we actually wore around the store for a while, and then we only to find out when we took them home, they didn't really feel as good as we thought they did. So what we really need is a good fit. And the way you get a good fit is to figure out what it is that your own unique qualities entail and will require. So... Um, you can't just go and get a bunch of different fire. Like people will say, go to a Ranger gun store that has guns you can try out before you shoot them. And once you try them, you'll know whether or not you like them. Well, guess what? Unless you have someone there helping you understand what it is you're trying, you may not be holding the gun right. You remember that thing about any gun will do if you'll do? You may be able to shoot that gun. But does that mean, and you might be best with one over the rest of them and say, well, this must be it for me. But in the end, is it really? So I always suggest get some training before you ever select a firearm. People do it in reverse. They go buy a firearm because they like the color of it or there's a sale on it or somebody says this is the gun for women. You need to figure out what your needs are. This is a, a tool. This is not a toy. It's not a, um, although I do believe you should, have as many guns as you can afford. You can only, can never have enough guns to enjoy and shoot. But when it comes to self-defense, which is what we're talking about, this is a life-saving tool. You need to get educated. And you um, can't just walk into the gun counter. However, once you know what you're looking for, don't let someone confuse you by saying, oh, this one is just like that gun, only it's less money or, you know, because less money, not that there aren't guns that are less expensive than others. As a matter of fact, there is a gun uh, right now. There's a 380 lightweight gun that's, uh, that's made by Taurus, which is 10 times the gun of two of the most uh, popular selling same kind of 380s out there that everybody thinks are the best guns for women. There is actually one that Taurus makes that doesn't hurt your hand when you shoot it. And you can actually put a bullet into the hole of the previous bullet because it's not snappy, although it is polymer. So you have to um, learn which one works for you. And then when you go into that gun counter, don't be swayed by something that someone might be trying to just sell you. Um, it's, it's your life. It's not just a purchase. I don't know. Yeah. It's, yeah. not an easy, it's not an easy answer because people say to me all the time, Jeff, oh, come on, Susan, you teach this class. You know, you can tell you've all these women that you've taught and you've helped women fit guns to them. You can tell me what gun's best for my wife. And I'm like, there's no way. There's mm -hmm. no way. I just, it's, it's not that simple. Not if you really want something that will increase the odds you will prevail if you're attacked. The other thing that's a problem we haven't mentioned is that a lot of people think that because a law enforcement person or military person who's been issued a gun that they're very good at says that this is the gun we're issued to, to be law enforcement people with, that this is the gun that you should use. Um, not saying that it may, may not be the right gun, but it more than likely, it's not the right gun. And just because someone who's in the know tells you that, you need to be aware of that. Maybe it isn't. So my biggest thing would be this. If you find a gun you think is good for you, you go through all the things that you feel like you want to do to figure it out, and you think you have a gun, just say to somebody, try to take it away. And if they can take it away from you, it's not the gun for you for self. Yeah. Well, that brings up, so, I mean, when somebody is at the counter and they say, I mean, so one, I think what, you're, what I hear you saying is do your research before you get there, because it can be intimidating You've got this giant counter of all these guns from a little 22 that you can put in your bra to a Desert Eagle 50 caliber, and you're looking at all these guns, and that can be pretty intimidating. You don't just kind of do eeny, meeny, miny, mo on that. So that probably helps a little bit right there. And then one, women uh, or any any new any person that's going to look at a gun for the first time, if you're a new shooter, man or woman, um, 
make sure that you're not pointing it at anybody ever because the last yeah. thing what can be even more intimidating was when the you know the, the the chest thumping gorilla behind the counter says whoa 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 hey wait a minute don't do that what are you crazy you know then all of a sudden right. you, you know that that's pretty intimidating so but it's so, the same time Jeff that same chest thumping guy <laughs> grabs a hold of the gun out on the barrel and points the muzzle at himself and hands it to you I mean I'm just like <laughs> hello that's not very good yeah, I'm, I'm not saying they always have the best uh, the best safety practices even behind the counter it's pretty it's pretty I mean I've seen some pretty wild things even behind the counter but um but that that could probably like going there with that kind of confidence probably makes a little bit difference like doing your homework and things like that and then you know be not feeling afraid to hold it out because I remember when I first started looking for a handgun you know it was like it was handed to me and I was like okay now what you know, what am I supposed to do now? I mean, I'm looking around like, okay, am I supposed to push this little thingy or that little thingy? Or do I just pull the trigger? Do I just hold it out in front of me? Like that's, you know, what, what are you looking for? Kind of a thing is, um, I mean, I still, still people well, doing ask, that ask anyway. Ask the person, ask the person who's going to, if you see a gun and the person's supposed to know about it, just say, show me the features of this gun. Is there a safety? How do you operate the slide? Um, you know, what, uh, how is the trigger pull on it? Ask the poundage of the trigger pull. Um, just there's one little 380 out there, and it's got a 19 pound trigger pull. I don't know many people who can pick up 19 pounds with their finger, and other people there's little 380s with a six pound trigger pull. Mm. I mean, there's some questions you can ask like that, but the people behind the counter, they should really tell you about it before they hand it to you. Yeah, so get them to do that. Yeah, I've never had that happen. Nobody's ever told me about the weapon when they handed it to me. But I guess, you know, maybe even an even better, um, you know, point about that is don't be afraid to ask. Don't Absolutely. be intimidated. Have the confidence to be able to say, I don't know about this gun or I'm buying my first gun. What are the best features of this? You know, and, and being able to get that guidance. Now, I like I like your method better, which is come to you for a class. And I mean, if you spend eight hours on just helping somebody you know, find the best weapon for them. I mean, obviously, you're not going to get that down at the local Bass Pro Shop. So, you know, it definitely, but going through that course, I'm sure they either end up knowing what they're going to get or at least have the confidence to be able to go to someplace and be able to, you know, confidently look at something and know it's for them. So so that exactly. makes a big difference. And that's education. Education right. is empowerment. Yeah. And that's, that's very important. And it's not just our class. There are other people out there who actually help people uh, fit guns to them. I mean, I've seen it across the country. Some people are better than others. Just remember that you really need to figure out, uh, when it's all said and done, can somebody take that gun away from you when you have it in one hand? Yeah. And can you operate that gun once you get your grip on, you know, once you got a good grip on it where it, it works for you, where you would grab it to use it, can you use the, uh, different types of mechanisms on that gun? without having to use two hands or switch your grip around to reach a, a magazine uh, release or whatever, you know, those things are very important. And just because, uh, another thing too, women think that they can't use a semi-automatic, they have to have a revolver because they're not strong enough to operate a slide on the gun. There are guns where the slides are easy, easier to operate than others, but there are techniques for doing that. And it, someone needs to know what those techniques are. And then they, I've, I've helped people who have arthritis, hardly any strength, with the proper gun and the proper technique. Most of them, I'm talking 95% of them, can rack a slide that they thought they never could. And um, on top of that, another thing, heaven forbid they get a revolver that they can't pull the trigger on. I, I've been standing in firearm stores before a woman walks in. You know, her, her husband says, I'm here to get my woman a gun. She shot every gun I've got, and we want a revolver for her. And I'm like, okay. I'm just watching. And then when they pick one out, I'm like, hold it, hold it. Um, let's take this, show her it's, it's clear, all that. Point it in safe direction and say to her, can you pull this trigger with one hand? And she can't move it. And I'm like, no, you can't use two fingers to pull the trigger. And no, you can't pull the hammer back first. Um, you're not going to have time when yeah. the time comes to defend yourself. And it's it can be overwhelming. I just know that um, each woman is different. Yeah. And there is a gun 
that will work for women. And for women that are afraid to use a gun yet, to rely on pepper spray, for instance, I just want to, you have to get training with that as well. I, you wouldn't believe how many women, which is almost all of them, I, I'd like to almost say 100%, but very few women have ever, once they've gotten pepper spray, have gotten more than one and actually tried to use it. Mm-hmm. I mean, would you ever put a gun in your purse ever having shot it? I hope not, let alone buy pepper spray. and You get one, you hook it on your your uh, keychain, you move on, you think you're good to go. Well, shoot one off. See how it works. I want to see a fumble for that when you're trying to figure out. Yeah. Yeah, really good point. Okay, I have I have two things to say because I, I already know the hate mail I'm going to get in the blog comment section from this part of it. And that is, I lo- first of all, I've never heard of that before as far as like a, a, a choosing factor, which is to have somebody try and take it away from you. But um, definitely make sure that it's confirmed unloaded. And, I, and I'm going to get guys who are going to say, you know, you have to make sure it's in the other room. And then you check it three times and then you stand on your head Absolutely. and then you jog in place and then you, you know, call your local representative and, okay, make sure it's not loaded. And also don't probably not the best place to do it is at the Bass Pro gun counter shop. Like here, hubby, try and <laughs> wrestle this away from me because everybody else that is carrying concealed there all of a sudden might just draw down. So just they to... might draw down and do something. <laughs> That's well, right. Well, here's the thing. Actually, we've taught a lot of people at Bass Pro. We go to Bass Pro a lot and help people select guns at the counter. We actually moved to a place where we can actually work with them and show them that. Uh, they and <laughs> I can just see the picture. I always want to say safety comes first and foremost, no matter what. We're not talking about the, how to safely operate the gun right now. We're talking about the selection process. So yeah. I would hope that people would know that, of course, it should be uh, unloaded and you can take the magazine out, you can leave it out. I mean, you can check the chamber, you can leave it out, and you can do what I'm saying. But the fact is, in real life, you're going to be in a fight, and if you lose that gun, it's over. Yeah. So you better... You better at least, in the best of circumstances, be able to hold on to it. If not, not to get from you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's and that really comes down to the reality of it, which is a great lead into my next question because, you know, we we talk a lot about practical ways to train for a real attack, and you have already you know mentioned the realities of what an attack is going to be. Oftentimes, it's going to be an ambush. It's going to be in close quarters. There could be a, a physical struggle. You know, I mean, it's it's not like the criminals are going to be seven to ten yards away and say, hey, stop right there. I have a gun. You know, they're they're not they're not that stupid. They're going to try and take the least amount of risk that they possibly can, which can mean, you know, waiting behind your car, coming into the garage when you pull in, um, coming in behind your car and waiting till you close the garage door. All of these all these factors where you know, you, you really have to be, you know, understand what those realities are. So when we talk about like practical ways of training, I have to say that we're well known for segregating traditional range training from training that is more realistic and that will really prepare you for, for that reality of an ambush. So in your working with women of all skill levels, what are your best pieces of advice that would help women to get an ex, at least get to an expertise level that would give them the best chance to survive a real attack? Well, Jeff, i got to say something. I really appreciate you even asking the question because my whole thing is about increasing the odds that you will prevail if you are attacked. I mean, we all have a life. My my thought is most women especially, they don't want a firearm so that they can kill someone. They They don't want to live in fear for their life. They just want to be able to enjoy life and because they love life, defend it. And so that, on that premise, you also have to realize that we all have a life. And many people, when they decide they need to carry a firearm for personal protection, don't have a lifetime to become trained. So what do you do? My suggestion is to learn some physical techniques that you can use in fighting that will allow you to at least, if you can, and just practice a few of them, pick three, pick five, um, and get good at them. Don't worry about learning every single martial arts kind of uh, technique that might be out there. If you have more time to do that, it could take you two years or ten years to become fully trained in, in martial arts, let's say. Pick a few and practice them. 
And at some point in this dance you're going to do with these, with this person who's trying to hurt you, hopefully you can get one of those to work for you, one that you know and that, that you've practiced. That's one thing. The other thing is to increase your awareness and keep yourself out of that fight. If you can keep yourself out of the fight, you win. And the awareness for each person is going to be different. There's the solar drill, the 21-foot uh, rule kind of thing, where most people can't get their firearm out of concealment in enough time to get a shot off if a person's 21 feet away from them and they're running at them with a knife. That person with the knife gets to you quicker. Well, you know what? Figure out how long it does take you to get your firearm out of concealment for you to be able to get it to where you could actually get a round off. And however long that is, figure out, Back up from that 21 feet. Usually 21 feet, two seconds. If you can get your gun out in 1.5 seconds, you're doing great. So for every 21 feet, it's two more seconds that, you know, you need to add on and add on. The question is, if it takes you 10 seconds to get it out, your circle of awareness has to be much greater. Uh, try to avoid it. Try to pick your uh, a few things that you can do and practice and then there are things coming out right now. As a matter of fact, we're working with a company um, that is uh, that trains military, military and law enforcement with a simulator, and they do scenarios. Uh, we're actually doing scenarios for civilians right now. It's due to come out next year, uh, which isn't too far away, and it's actually where you can use simulation to train, and it's done with real firearms that have uh, CO2, now these are uh, compressed air, they're not the CO2 cartridges. It gives you some recoil to the gun, and you're put into a scenario where you have to decide, what am I going to do? Is it a shoot or no shoot situation? You know, did I even see what was happening in front of me before I got shot kind of a thing? You know, they have the, uh, the ammunition that's the simulated ammunition where people can actually shoot at you. I know a lot of women who think, I don't know if I want to be shot at yet. I'm not good enough for that. Um, but the, the simulator uh, training that you can do, which is uh, is basically a life-size video where you're involved in that and you use real firearms, can be very, very helpful uh, to increase your uh, ability to make split decisions, split-second decisions, which is what you're going to have to do. Yeah. Um, there's training... Is there's no simple tip or technique that's going to keep you alive. Uh, that you just it's it's a combination of things all working together at the same time, which includes the gun, the shoes that you're wearing. One of the things that I will say is this: if you're a realtor, don't wear stiletto heels into a house, um, even if you like to be a stiletto heel wearer. You know your chances of running away from someone who's going to hurt you in a house or not, realtor or not, the letter heels are hard to run in. You know, consider where you're going to be and whether or not you're going to be able to get away if you have to and whether or not you're going to be able to fight. You have to prepare yourself, I'll call it, down to your shoes so that you can increase the odds of prevailing. Recognizing it to start with is the first step. And reaching out and trying to do the things that you feel um, work for, for you and your lifestyle, um, it's almost like buying the equipment to exercise and never exercising. When it comes to defending your life, you, you need to uh, develop your skills. And a lot of it starts with awareness, dressing the best way that you can in the event that you had to defend yourself, and then also um, getting your, your strength out, not only emotionally but physically. Anybody can fight, believe me, anybody. I don't care how weak you may be, how small you may be, how old you may be. I've started kidding, actually, now that I'm almost 60. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> I tell people, I'm going to kick your ass on the way down, but somebody's going to pick me up when it's over. <laughs> it's a whole different mindset. Um, but you just have to be willing to, to fight. And, uh, I just commend anybody who's willing to take that step. Just whatever they do, especially women, Jeff, they don't want to kill people. And trying to force them into saying, you better make your mind up and think through all the scenarios and how you're actually going to use that gun and take them out. You know, women are not typically of that mindset. And so, but they are very protective. And just put a, a woman 
uh, and her children in in danger, and that woman rises to be that mama bear we all fear, right? Well, just because you show someone a firearm doesn't mean they're going to run away. That's a terrible thing to think. And the fact that you think you might be able to shoot him in the knee is another bad idea. If you're that good of a shot, you should be able to do better than that, is what I always say. Just um, make your mind up. Your your object isn't to kill someone. Your object is to protect you. Yeah, and you bring up such a such a huge point there because you know we we talk about it as your your survival why it's like it's like why why do you want to survive I mean we all have that kind of the instinct to survive for the most part but to have the to have that will so much that you're willing to fight back rather than beg for mercy and we see this in guys too you know people some people get into a fight and they curl up in a ball and they get stomped to death. You know, some people, um, you know, continue to fight back. So um, when we look at it as, you know, well, it's not necessarily um, against you, like that same person who or that same woman, let's say, who might who might curl up or or let herself go into the back of a trunk of a car or something like that because she doesn't want to fight back and is just hoping for the best. And maybe he'll let me go or maybe he just wants the money out of my ATM card or something like that. If the if you imagine just mentally visualize and it's a hard thing to do, but that they're saying, okay, get your kid in the trunk too, or you know if you can just imagine when you're at the range that you're firing at a target, yes, but um, imagine that your child is with you behind you and you're the only thing between that target and your child. That's a very simple thing to do, even at a, a live fire range. It's all you know. Imaginary. Here's the, here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you just realize, I mean, you don't even have to envision that your child's there. If you just realize that without you, your child doesn't have a mom, you know, you are important. You you really have to decide that your life is worth saving. And when that happens, you will find a way to stand up to it. One of the things that, um, I, I don't know if, if you know this or not, but I was held hostage in my house for five and a half hours at night time in 1992. And I was stalked for two years after that. Mm. And I never thought it would happen to me. People think because I'm a good person and because I don't want to hurt anybody or I don't go to bad places that, you know, this isn't going to happen to me. Well, in 1992, it happened to me. And it wasn't for a couple of minutes. It was for a long time. And you have to just make your mind up that you're not going to give up. And there's no amount of... um, classes that you can take that are going to benefit you unless you first make your mind up that you're not going to give up. Your life is worth saving. Your kids need a mom. Your your friends want a friend. Your your siblings want a brother or sister. Yeah. I mean, life is very precious. And for those of us who have survived cancer, um, you know, there's been a couple times in my life where I may have died. And I, I realized the value of that next breath that you can take and how precious it is. And there's many things that I want to do. And so, you know, I just take it upon myself to say, I don't know if I'm going to prevail when the time comes, but by golly, I'm I'm not going to sit back and and just take whatever's dished out. I'm going to do everything I can because you get one shot at life. Yeah, good points. You know, you you brought up before awareness, and we brought this up actually quite a few times. This kind of being your you know your very first barrier to actually protecting yourself. And I know a lot of people talk about awareness for self protection, but I wanted to get your perspective on it. Can can you? What are some of your you know? How do you see awareness and its role in fighting with a firearm? And if you could offer some of maybe your best training tips, if you will, to help women be able to develop that skill for day-to-day awareness for, for being better prepared for armed defense? Well, if you start to evaluate the situations in which you find yourself, that's a, a good thing. When you're use that inter intuition, um, if you're going into a place and it's dark, you know, a lot of people think, oh, because it's dark, I need to be more aware. Well, guess what? Four o'clock in the afternoon is like this golden hour of crime, apparently. So it isn't just, don't be blinded by the daylight. You need to keep your eyes open. You need to pay attention to things around you. And if something doesn't look right, um, it probably isn't. Just like if something looks too good to be true, it probably isn't. Uh, you just need to then 
position yourself in a way that if you had to defend yourself, you would be able to at least have a chance to do that, which means if you are carrying your purse and you do have a gun in your purse and that's your mode at the moment, you might want to unzip that pocket where that gun is and move that uh, purse around to where you're, you can either get your hand at it quicker or sometimes people put their hand on it. You know, I mean, you just sort of get yourself ready in the event you've had to uh, had to defend yourself. Um, if you if it's wintertime and you have your firearm inside on your waistband and you have your coat all zipped up and you're going to run into the, the store and between your car and the, the the store, it might be cold, but unzip your coat. I mean, at least get yourself to where you if you feel like it's time you're going to have to grab that gun, you don't have to grab it out from underneath of a zipped coat. You're not going to freeze between there and the store, but just it's it's pre-thinking things out, but not in a manner of paranoia. Paranoia is not good. No. It's not about being paranoid. It's just about being prepared as much as you can. Yeah. Yeah. Are there things that women can do to kind of, um, I know we talk about being in the orange state or the yellow state, kind of always being in that, but are there any you know, things that mentally they can do besides just making sure that they're physically prepared to be able to access something, but, um, you know, any like mental tricks or anything to help break them out of the trance? Because I think we all, I mean, I love going to the mall and just looking to see how many people are like texting while they're walking, you know, (laughs) it's, it's amazing. But, you know, are there any, we, we kind of go into this zombie trance when we're, we're going from one thing to another, we're going from the car to the store, we're going from, you know, whatever we're, we're shopping for groceries, whatever it might be. Are there, um, are there any things that you do personally to help break you out of that zombie trance that we all kind of tend to, to gravitate toward? It becomes a complacency when you're in a familiar environment. It's almost like even being in your home, all of a sudden we let our guard down. Uh, we just have to make our mind up that we're going to be safe. And so you have to look around. You have to make your mind up. It's important to look around. There's, do I text sometimes while I'm walking down the street? Sometimes. And while I'm doing it, I'm like, well, that's really stupid, Susan. And they could have whacked you really good right there. I mean, not every person can keep their awareness up to the top-notch level yeah. at all times. It's virtually impossible. But when you catch yourself doing that, you know, you got to break yourself out of it. It's kind of a lifestyle change. It's almost like when you have a firearm for personal protection, it's like having a pet or a child. You have to be aware of things more than if you're just walking through the park on your own. You know, things are different. And, you know, you have a responsibility. And, and when you have that, uh, that pet with you or that child with you, sometimes you can't go certain places. But at the same time, you have this responsibility to take care of it. And your level, it seems like if you're walking down the street with a child through, uh, through town, you're, you start looking more at cars and making sure the kid's not going to get run over and what's the kid doing, you know. So you just got to put your mindset into the fact that you're carrying a firearm for personal protection and you need to be aware of what's going on around you because the worst thing you want is for, chi- is for your child to be stolen or worse, somebody to take your gun. Um, yeah. You just have to make your mind up. Yeah. And just keep reminding yourself. Just keep reminding yourself. I mean, it does, it does take practice. Um, and, it, but it is something I think that can be, that can be overridden with time if you just kind of have these little reminders put in place. So, well, here's yeah. a, a little thing that I have, have found that is interesting to determine what your, uh, reaction time is. We all walk somewhere, do something, somebody scares us. Whether they walk up behind us, it's somebody we know. You walk around the corner in a, a city block and you smack dab run into somebody. I've come out of an elevator before and almost, you know, kissed a guy I didn't even know. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> you know, it was very embarrassing. At the same time, how quick do you recover from that? Yeah. And how, you know, do you get out of that freeze factor? So you start, you start realizing those things and you go, oh, you know, I need to react a little bit quicker. I got to stop that. <gasps> now what thing? And, and you know, kind of get out of that and break yourself out of that. I did do something really bad a couple of weeks ago. My husband was in the laundry room. If you want to, and you want to talk about your uh, awareness being down, you're in the laundry room, you're in the middle of the house, you're doing laundry. And I walked in and scared the living flip out of him. 
And I mean, I realized that wasn't fair. You know, that just wasn't fair. But it just, we laughed about it because that's the fact. How far down is your awareness level? So, um, be careful though if, if you want to test somebody on that because you could get hurt. Yeah, that's true. Some people do have the, some people don't have the reaction of jumping back. Some people have the reaction of punching out. That's so, it. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, yes, Susan. And another, I have one more thing I want to share. Yeah. And that is that, um, I, I personally train not to pull my gun out to the ready position, like I'm going to, you know, get a call and move in. I actually train that when I decide to pull my gun out, you're going down. My shots are fired. And I have actually, um, been able to, in that little drill I talked about earlier, stop someone before they move six feet. I could get my first round off. And that's because I practice when I pull my gun out, that shot's going off. And I don't pull the gun out until I'm ready to use it. Now, that's my own personal thing where I've been able to get quicker at that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to develop your own, your own style, your own way of training. And it's going to be based on what it is you want to happen. My thing is, if I'm going to pull my gun out, it's not going to be to show it to anybody. It's going to be to use it. So when I pull that gun out, I better be able to use it. There shouldn't be this, this lag time for me. So anyhow, yeah. find a good instructor, ladies. Find somebody who really will help you and, and work through the process. And it's, not, it's not just my way or somebody else's way. Uh, you got to figure out what works for you. And, and you know, there's not one trainer and there's not one way. Just do the best you can and use your gut, use your instinct. You'll yeah. know what feels right. Yeah. Susan, I, I, I promised you, I think, a 15-minute interview, and it's now been over an hour. So. <laughs> no wonder I'm tired of talking. <laughs> no, but uh, this is... So much, and I'll probably get the same kind of blog messages, because you can't say everything in a short period of time. So no. I would always say just don't read something into it. If you have a question, send a question. We'll answer the question direct now. Yeah. Well, it's great that there are resources, you know, like you and the training that you have that are out there, because I think especially to have some sort of, like you said, a softer approach for women who might be intimidated by getting into shooting sports or, or looking at it for, for personal protection. Um, it's, it's, I love what you and your husband are doing with the organization and, um, and, and thank you so much. And, and it sounds like you've, you know, based upon your personal experience with working with women, you've developed programs that I personally don't see a lot. Now I live in Texas. I mean, basically they issue you a gun at the border. So I've not even seen a lot of these different courses that you're talking about. So I think it's great that you've put these together and, um, and I want, go ahead. Let me interrupt for just a minute. I just want you to know, number one. This is not about me. It really isn't. And we have developed this curriculum. We actually offer this curriculum to instructors because it isn't out there. If you want to learn better how to train women, it's not just about we're different, we think different. We actually have practice power and precision courses on how to be a better shot once you pick your gun. We have how to use a laser. We have defensive handgun tactics that work. I mean, we have personal protection of you know, a true fire drill in your home as compared to, you know, your typical fire drill from your home. We have these, and they're available for people that are instructors. So if somebody needs it, they need to get in touch with us because we have these this material. There's a lot of women's organizations out there who have uh, groups. They group, they get together, they want stuff to do. Once they learn the basics, now what? Well, we have material those places can use. We'd love for them to have that material. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think it's probably a, a very um, under underexploited. I don't want to use the word exploit, but as you know, from somebody that is a, a business owner such as myself, you know, it's there's a unique opportunity I think there for a lot of people who you know instructors who might do the curves version of. Um, of firearms defense because I think there are a lot of women in the shadows that maybe are you know don't don't really want to train alongside other guys. Well, you would know more than I would because I've never seen this type of a training like just for women or or anything like that. So there's probably a really great opportunity for people to expand their own their own firearms classes beyond just what they're doing. And so so your your website is a great resource for that. So everybody out there, listen, whether you are an instructor and obviously you can see that. 
Um, you're dealing with with um, very unique. I, I think being an instructor, you understand that everybody's unique that comes to your classes. And I, sometimes women might need a, a softer approach than the other guys that you have. And I think it can also be somewhat condescending if you've got a bunch of guys and a, and a woman online and you're playing softer approach to woman and hard and tough with the guy next to you. And then, it, you know, there's all these things that are involved with it. At least that's what I'm imagining. But anyway, um, there's some great resources over at Susan and her husband's website. So you definitely want to go there and check it out. Contact them about the training resources that they have and also the training classes that they have, especially if you're in the area and you can you go out and take those classes. So you want to go over to www.mysfwa.com. Susan, thanks so much. I really appreciate you taking all the time today and uh, really great information. Thanks. Not a problem, Jeff. You're a joy to talk with. No wonder your wife loves you so much. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but um, that's that might be assuming too much. I promise you. <laughs> I know she does. Uh, anyways, uh, the wonderful. Thank you very much. And uh, listen, everybody, until our next Modern Combat and Survival broadcast. This is Jeff Anderson saying, train hard, stay safe, prepare now. Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.